A lot to be excited about, isn't there? Yeah. Tell you what, I'm excited just to, uh, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to share with you what God's laid on my heart. Uh, when Pastor Matt approached me and asked me if I would uh, preach on July 11th, with no hesitation, I said, absolutely not. <laughs> no, no, there was no hesitation in my voice. I said yes. And it wasn't because I was overconfident in my preaching abilities. I play guitar. I lead worship. I don't preach. It wasn't because I thought it would be easy and be a cakewalk. It was because God had already prepared me for that moment. You know, I've been on staff here for a year now, and God has grown me. He's led me. He's corrected me. But he's always guided me through Scripture. And I've just taken bits and pieces of those little nuggets, and I've just kind of been downloading them into a sermon, just saving them, just being prepared and being ready in season and out of season. That's what we're told to do. But uh, like I was saying, as a worship pastor, you know, we come in here and I have two to three minutes before service starts to engage you and invite you. After that, we're trying to get you into the presence. Amen? But during those two to three minutes, you know, I, I try to say something encouraging to engage you, something scriptural-wise to maybe break things off of you, things that are going on, because I get it outside these doors. Man, things latch onto you. They stick to you. They weigh you down. And then we come in here Sunday, and we're trying to break all that off. But what I want to do today is try to help you get to a place where you have worship weapons in your arsenal. That's what I want to do. You know, because as I, as I prepare, I don't just, we don't just come in here and sing songs. There's preparation for those times. And I'm always listening because I know there's heaviness. We might be dealing with people who lost a job or lost a loved one. We might be dealing with people who are going through a season of anxiety or depression. And I don't know that, but God always knows. So I always try to just encourage you that there's, a, there's something better. It can be broken off of you. Because we come into praise, then we worship, then we hit his presence. And when his presence, that's when things start to break. That's when things start falling off of us. So I'll be honest with you. I started getting frustrated in those moments. Because I felt like in that two to three minutes when I'm trying to engage you, I just felt like it wasn't enough time to say what was on my heart. It wasn't enough time to lead you. Like I felt like, man, if I just had two more minutes, I could have took you this way and navigated through this and brought you to a place where I felt something would have broke off on you. But then God reminded me, that's not my place to do that. That's his place. But what he told me was, put it in a sermon. And I was like, okay. He said, teach them how to worship me. Show them through scripture the correct way to worship and bring their heart to me to be submitted and postured and abandoned. My, Pastor Mike jumped all over. I know God's got this lined up. I told Shane, I said, I'm doing my, my title. I told him what it was. I'll tell you guys in a minute. I don't want you to get too far ahead of me. But I told him where I wanted him to kind of stay, and he stood right there. Great job, Shane. Pastor Mike, on, in his transition, he was stepping all over words that I use, abandoning, posturing. Those are all part of worship. That's what we need to do in order to get to the presence of God. So I'm just thankful that God's just kind of confirming this is a time. You guys are here in your seats, the one you're supposed to be in because God knew that. I didn't know who was going to be here today, but this sermon is prepared just for you. So know that God has a word for you today. But I started thinking about that, and I was like, what would happen? Shane, what would happen if we took all the biblical stuff that I used to teach the worship teams and raise them up, and I taught you guys? What would happen if I could tell you how important it is to uh, prepare yourself before you come into praise? That allows you to get into worship and allows you to get into a presence. What if you learn how, exactly how to posture your heart? And position yourself to receive what God has for you. What if I could teach you the true meaning of worship? 
the absolute biblical true meaning of worship. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. This next thing I'm going to say may step on some toes. It may crush some of you. But in order for me to teach you true worship, I have to tell you what worship is not. Okay? Worship is not Pastor Guy or Shane singing your favorite song on Sunday morning. It is not your favorite song coming up out of your Apple Music library. It is not your favorite song on Joy FM as you're going down the highway weeding through in and out of traffic. Especially if you follow Pastor Katie around. <laughs> That's not what worship is. See, nowhere in the Bible will you find music and worship together. You'll find music and praise because that's what it is. You'll find music and praise together. Your heart is worship. Your heart is where the worship comes from. So as I was thinking about this, I was just kind of in awe because it would no longer be a worship leader leading a congregation. It would be one corporate breakout, one corporate breakthrough, one corporate time when the presence of God falls in an instant. There's no priming, there's no pumping, there's no pushing. You're coming into the house of God ready to absorb and ready to exhort out. Wouldn't that be awesome? So my hope today, I'm going to talk about three things. I'm going to talk about what is worship. I'm going to talk about why do we worship. And the third thing and last thing will be how do we worship. I feel it's important for us to understand those things. What I would like to do today is put, like I said, weapons in your arsenal. Things that you have sharpened all the time. A dull blade does us no good. Things that you're trained and ready to use. If you're not trained in how to use something, it's useless to you. I remember back when I was a police officer, you had a duty belt. And everything that was on there was used for certain instances or situations, whether lethal or non-lethal. But you were trained in every one of those. They didn't just give you a gun. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> they didn't just give you pepper spray. They didn't just give you a taser. I got tased. Whew. And I'm telling you what, you had to know how to use a taser and know what it felt like to, to, be, to, you know, to use that. All the way down to handcuffs. You can ask my wife, I come home with my wrist bruised from us handcuffing each other for so many hours. In every position you can imagine, we were, we were just beating each other up. But it's just like the word of God. If you're not trained, if somebody just gives you this and you put it on a shelf, you're never going to be able to use it for the way it's supposed to be used. You got to stay sharp. You got to know how to use it. You got to know where to find what you need to find and use it at that appropriate time. Amen? Amen. So that's what I'm going to do today. That's my hope today is just to leave you with something that makes you feel more confident in your worship, that allows you to use that. Because Sunday, I'm going to be honest with you, and that's just who I am. You can't wait till Sunday morning to bring all your battles in. The pastors aren't always going to be here. The worship team isn't always going to be here to lead you into a place to battle. you got to learn how to battle outside these doors. And that's my hope for you today, amen? All right. So if you're taking notes, I've already gave you my three points, but I'll remind you of them as we go through. The title of my message today is Love Expressed. Love Expressed. Because to love something, it requires us to express. Would you agree? Whether that's physically, emotionally, or verbally. I love my wife. I hope that she knows I love her. But if I don't show her affection or emotionally or verbally say I love you or show her that, it becomes a place of unused. It just becomes vacant. It becomes stagnant. It becomes questionable. Worship is the same way. Worship is the same way because it requires us 
our focus. It requires our attention because everybody worships something. Everybody worships something. Our desires, our actions. Worship requires love. It ex- requires us to express, and it requires our heart. Amen. Let's go to Genesis 4. I'm going to start from the very beginning. Genesis 4, I'm going to start at, chapter, at verse 3. I'm going to read 3 and 5. It says, in the process of time, it came to pass. I want you to say this with me. In the process of time, it came to pass. If you're taking notes, write that down and leave three or four lines. Because I'm going to come back to that. That's a very important part of where I'm going today. Okay, it's a building block. It's huge. I'm going to use that through this whole sermon. And in the process of time, it came to pass, that Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought to of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. I'm going to pray real quick. Father God, I just thank you for this opportunity today. I thank you for every heart that's here. And Lord, I pray that every heart would be open and ready to receive what you have, God. Nothing of me. God, we've had this conversation many times. I am nothing without you. I understand this. I know this. And I just ask that my words would come from you. My thoughts would come from you. And God, I know that your word will not return void. It's going to do exactly what you meant it to do for exactly the person it's meant for today. And I'm just thankful, God, that you're using me today. And I just ask, God, that you would just anoint this place and anoint your word, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So by what we just read, we can definitely see that there was two offerings or worship that was brought. Cain brought one and Abel brought one. One was received. One was rejected. What I'm going to show you is that the posture of your heart What you bring is going to show and prove where you're at. What you're offering that you bring is going to show a posture of where your heart is at. Okay? The Lord rejected one and accepted another. Have you ever just wondered why? Why would God take one and not the other? Why would he look down on one and say, I receive that and I respect that. And the other one he'd say, In my words, I'm not taking that. I don't receive it. Even though in Cain's eyes, he thought what he was bringing was good. He thought that. But have you ever wondered why he rejected one and not the other? So I'm going to go back to in the process of time it came to pass. If you do a word study on in the process of time, there's three things that comes up. Over the course of time, as time went on, and gradually. As it happened, or... As it came to pass, we know what that means. It means it happened. Let's go and insert those words. I'm going to insert those three words. Listen to this. Where it says in the process of time, in the course of time, it happened. Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground to the Lord. As time went on, it happened. Cain brought an offering of fruit to the Lord. Gradually, it happened. Cain brought an offering of fruit to the Lord. We can see that gradually through time, Cain changed his offering. He changed what he was bringing to God. It's evident here that, you know, 
Would you agree with me that we serve a God of order? Yes. I mean, we can see that all through Scripture, right? Noah's Ark, it was this long, it was this high, it was made of this kind of wood. When they built the temple, it was supposed to be this dimensions by this. Everything was laid in its place. Specific instructions. Worship offering were no different. It was specific instructions. So we can see that over time, gradually, through the course of time, Cain changed what he brought to God. He, br- he changed his offering. He changed his worship. Let's go to Jude. I'm going to show you this through Scripture. Jude 1, 11. It says, Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain. They have run greedily in error to Balaam for profit and perished in the rebellion of Korah. Now, if you read the rest of this chapter before that, it's talking about those who knew what to do, but decided not to, to do it their own way. It talks about when the children uh, came out of Egypt. When God brought them out, they knew the right way to go. But we know what happened through punishment in the wilderness. A lot of them didn't make it into the promised land. It talks about Sodom and Gomorrah. They knew what was right, but in the end, what came? Destruction. It even goes on to talk about the angels in heaven who stepped away from their position and followed something else that they knew was wrong. Woe to them. They have gone the way of Cain. It's a description of lawless men. It's exactly what it is. They, like Cain, devised their own ways of worship and disobedience and rebellion, just as Cain did. Now, as we read this, the apostle doesn't give us exact points how they went the way of Cain. But through the examples, we can see it's through greed, through jealousy, and through rebellion is why they did that. Like I said, we serve a God of order, specific instructions. There was a way to bring an offering to him. And as time went on, over the course of time, gradually, Cain said, I'll do it my way. My first point is, what is worship? What is worship? As you can tell from the story that I just read, worship starts with a posture of your heart, a position, a place of honor, a place of knowing and adoring. The Hebrew word for worship is shishwa, which means to bow down, face flat. Barak is another one that talks about adoring or falling down flat. We can reference this in Revelations 4.10 where remember the 24 elders, how they, they fell down on their face and worshiped him who was worthy continually. Worship is also an expression or an exchange. Let's go to Deuteronomy 6. You guys know this as soon as I say, you're going you're gonna to know where I'm at here. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. It's not an emotional thing. Emotions run out. Emotions are a high. They won't last. They won't get you through where you need to go. It must be a spiritual journey. One of my favorite scriptures, John 4, 24. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Worship cannot be simply, as I said earlier, about singing a song, our favorite song. Doing what's acceptable to us. And ultimately, just basically we're coming with a K mentality of worship. 
Worship wasn't meant for us. Worship was meant for him. And when we worship him in spirit and truth, we start from a place of truth. Last week, uh, Pastor Mike had an awesome sermon. I don't know if you guys were here for it, but he talked about truth, freedom. He said something that really stuck with me. He said, if you start from a place of truth, from there on you should be good. But you can always come back to that. I might not have said it exactly the way you said, but worship is exactly the same way. If you start from a place of worship, if you start from that place, you're starting from a place where you've got yourself out of the picture completely and you're focused on him. It's a place where you can always come back to when you feel lost, whatever's going on, the the troubles and trials outside these doors. Worship is a place you can always come back to because if it's done correctly, it's not about you anyway. It's about positioning yourself and posturing yourself so you can come into praise, worship, and then into his presence. It's going to lead me into my second point. I do with worship. I'm going to spend a little bit more time here. Ultimately, you and I were created to worship. We know that from Adam when he walked in the garden in the cool of the day with God. That's where we were meant to be, in his presence. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He's called us out of a place of darkness into his light. A chosen generation, a royal priesthood, that's who you are. We were meant to be in his presence all the time. He wanted us there. And frankly, that's where I want to be. Pastor Matt did a, a series on the presence of God back in February, the omnipresence, the indwelling presence, and the manifest presence. Omnipresence is all around, indwelling is in us. But that manifest presence, that's what we hope, that's what we search for. That's what we, that's where praise and worship takes us in. Hopefully it takes us into that presence. That's where things happen. That's where things are going on. There's just a few things I want to share with you that we know about being created to worship or being in his presence. God's heart is moved by worship. He speaks to us through worship. Not only speaks, but usually that's when it's the loudest. That's when you hear him because we're not focused on anything else but him. He fights for us. 2 Corinthians 10.4. I say this all the time. Your worship is a weapon. It's not just a cliche. It's not just a saying. I'm going to show you in scripture here in just a minute how worship can fight for you. He empowers us because we are focused on him and not our circumstances. Worship is how we refresh. We cannot, listen to me, we cannot be a blessing to others if we're empty on the inside. We cannot minister from an empty cup. We cannot give somebody a drink if we're thirsting ourselves. There has to be a time where we spend time in the presence of God where we're filled back up. And there is blessing in obedience of worship. I'm going to share a story about King Jehoshaphat. If you guys want to follow along, it's in 2 Chronicles. I'm just going to kind of preface this chapter, and then I'm going to hit on some, some verses that are, I just feel that are important that describe these areas I just talked about. But King Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, he was approached by Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. They were coming to basically take over, take his ground. And Jehoshaphat 
He was in fear. Anybody ever been there when circumstances arise? You're in fear. But what he did was he went after God's heart through praise, worship, and his presence. He called everybody together, all of Judah. They came together, they fasted, they prayed, and they searched, and they listened. And during this time, Jehaziel, the Lord just kind of spoke through him. And he said, don't worry. He said, this battle isn't yours, it's mine. He goes on to say, he goes, you won't even have to fight. I'll do the fighting. Now, I don't know about you, but you've got three strong countries coming at you, and you're saying, I don't have to fight? That's a God of promise. We've always said to lay it down and give it to him and let him fight your battles for you. We weren't meant to carry that. We weren't meant to fight that. Through this time, when Jehaziel speaks, there he is. He's talking right now. He's sending us a message. No. I've always wondered what I would do when I was preaching and that would happen. <laughs> Sorry, Karen. It's all good. But when Jehaziel spoke this, it kind of brought a peace over Jehoshaphat. And what he did next was even more important. He worshipped. He praised. He fell on his face. That shishwa fell on his face, adoring what God said he would do. Verse 9 says, if disaster comes upon us, we will stand before his temple in your presence and cry out to you. He knew who his God was. He didn't go running around through the kingdom saying, I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to fall apart and, and put fear out into them. He went to a place where he could bring hope and peace and structure and posture all of Judah, ready to receive. For we have no power against this great multitude. This is verse 12, sorry. We have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. Our eyes are upon you. He knew where his strength came from. He knew where his focus needed to be. He knew what he needed to call on, and that was the Lord God himself. Then the Spirit of the Lord comes on Jehaziel. Do not be afraid. This is verse 15. Do not be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude. For this battle is not yours but God's. Verse 17, you will not need to fight this battle. Position yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. Now in verse 17, I don't know if you guys were all here when Pastor Rick was here, but when I seen that word that said Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, you remember that sermon he did? It was powerful. That's the great I am. That's Yahweh. That's Jehovah Jireh. That's the Lord who's going before you. It's not some mediocre statue that they're worshiping. It's the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's the God who went with them. Verse 18 says, and Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. Shishwa, adoring his God, giving praise, giving worship. Now where I want to focus is verses 21 through 25. It says, And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord for his, mer 
endures forever. Now when they began to sing and praise the Lord, listen to this. The Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah. And they were defeated. All through praise, all through worship, they were defeated. They didn't have to do anything. Your worship is a weapon. I keep telling you this and telling you, you have to know that your worship is going to change the atmosphere. Your worship is going to push things out. Your worship is going to fight for you. So when Judah came to the place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and there were their dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables, abundance of valuables, and the dead bodies and the precious jewelry which they stripped off themselves. More than they could carry. And they were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. I don't know about you, but I'm sure Jehoshaphat didn't see all this. He was just asking for a way out to fight the battle. But as I told you, there's blessings in worship. So much blessing that it took them four days to carry the spoil out. But what gets me the most is they never had to lift a finger except for to receive the blessing. That's all they had to do. He fought that battle for them just because they praised and worshiped. It says it turned them against each other. And when they had finished out Mount Syria, they come against each other and killed themselves. I'm telling you this morning, there's a God who wants to fight for you. There's a God who wants to see you through, and not only see you through, but have blessing at the end. Because we're only expecting this much of it. But God says, no, no, I got more for you. I'm going to give you even more blessing. I'm going to give you so much spoil that it's going to take you days to get through it. That's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. So how do we worship? How do we worship? We can say we raise our hands. Yeah, that's worship. We can say we kneel and bow. Absolutely. We can sing. But let's go back. I want to go back to where we started. Back to Genesis. Same chapter. But let's pick up at verse 6. It says, so the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, or as you're instructed, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. If you do well, or what's instructed or right, it's received. But if you don't, it's going to be rejected. So I ask you again, how do we worship? We worship through excellence, obedience, and abandonment. You said that this morning. I don't even know if you know what you said. Abandonment. I want to look at three things that happened early in Genesis that's going to help define obedience, excellence, and abandonment. The blood sacrifices. We all know and remember that God had to take and slay two animals to cover Adam and Eve. It was required. The shedding of blood was required. It was essential for right standing with God. 
Second thing, Cain's vegetable offering, the fruit of his own efforts. If you remember back in chapter 3, God actually cursed the ground. God actually cursed the ground, and now here's Cain trying to bring something. He said you will toil in it and work in it to get produced from it. And here Cain gradually, over the course of time, as time went on, I'm just going to bring you fruit from the ground, a place that you've already cursed. Refusal to live under God's covenant was very evident. Choices, he made his own choices. But Abel's sacrifice resembled redemption by blood. And the big one is being in control. See, Adam's attempt to use fig leaves to cover themselves was rejected by God. He tried to do it his own way. Just as Cain said, I'm going to do it my own way. I'm going to bring you what I think is worship. I'm going to bring you what's acceptable in my eyes. I'm not going to posture or position myself to bring what's acceptable to you because I've made a choice to do it my way. Let's go to Psalms, chapter 40, verse 3. Forgive me, I got to look at here. That was the only one I did not mark in my Bible. Psalms 40, verse 3. I'm going to read it out of the New King James, and then I'm going to read it out of the message because I love the way it translates. It says, he has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. Now listen to it in the message. It says, he taught me. How to sing the latest God song. A praise song to our God. More and more people are seeing this. They enter the mystery abandoning themselves. That's full trust in God. Abandoning themselves to God. Shane, you can come up here. The latest God song. You know what that is? That's your song. That's a song that only you can sing. I can't sing your song and you can't sing my song. The latest God song is a song that was put in your heart when you abandon yourself, full of abandonment, and trust God. It's a song from the heart of abandonment. Let me just say it this way. When you come in and you sing, you're in control. And you leave in control. When you go to your quiet time, you're in control. And you leave in control. Until you fully abandon yourself, until you fully put full trust in God, you will never, ever worship. Because it's all about you. It's all about self. It's all about what I see, what's good in my eyes. That's what I'm going to bring to you. But when you abandon yourself completely, full trust. That's when you're going to worship. That's when you're going to understand what true worship is. Anything else is a Cain way of worship. It's a Cain mentality. It's not from a heart of obedience or abandonment. 
It's a place from self-control. The mysteries of God. That's that quiet time. That's where most people fear because they don't want to be let go. They don't want to let themselves be undone in the presence of God. It's a place where things happen. It's a place where your song comes alive, Al. It's a place where God speaks only to you. And that God song is produced. That God song is let out of you. Nobody else can sing your song. Nobody else can sing your song. We have to understand that there comes a time when every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. I'm practicing because I'm looking forward to that time. It's the same thing if I'm not up here spending time in worship. I can't lead you to someplace we've never been. God can't take you someplace if you don't want to go. And it requires you to abandon yourself and quit coming with a cane mentality that says, God, I know what I'm doing. I want to see that every Sunday. I want to see you guys come in here with a heart broken in a good way. Because when your posture and position, your praise turns into worship. Your worship turns into the presence of God. That's when things happen. Over here is just a song. It's a feel-good moment. Right here you're starting to recognize, whoa, God, you're doing something. And then when you get to that place of abandonment, when you're broken and you're down on your face and you're down on your knees and you're absorbing and being saturated in the presence of God, you're going to sing a new song. You're going to sing a God song, a praise song to Him. And it's going to be absolutely beautiful. Imagine. Everybody coming in here next Sunday, abandoning themselves. The moment they walk through that door, they remember, I'm going to abandon myself today. God, I'm going to surrender. I'm going to posture and I'm going to position myself to where you can move completely, fully, and saturate this atmosphere. It would be so thick in here you wouldn't be able to stand. The power of God would come in this place in an instant and lives would be changed. That's what I want to see. That's what I want to see. So this morning what I want to do, we got time. I'm going to open these altars. If you're tired of playing Cain, if you're ready to be abandoned, I'm going to invite you down here to worship from a place of abandonment.